Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We had a big week last week. Um, we had our six annual All-Star Awards. Um, we had some weather coming into this event, um, which was really not my plan. I thought that having this event on December 2nd was early enough in, actually late enough in the fall, it's not even winter yet, people, um, that we would be safe from snow. Um, and we usually sell the majority of our tickets in the last few days. And as the weather reports got worse and worse, um, we really saw a drop off really towards the very, till the very end in ticket sales. And I was going through every emotion um, of like despair, fear. Eventually I sort of came to just that moment of trust um, and sort of trusting in Hashem's plan. And um, thank God uh, it worked out beautifully and um, it was okay to trust. It was good to trust because this was our um, most attended event in the history of our All-Star Awards. Um, it was the biggest profit maker in the history of our All-Star Awards. Um, the space um, at Lincoln Center, at Alice Tully Hall's Lincoln Center, was uh, really, um, the best I can describe it is um, my wildest dreams of like being able to get up and perform in the coolest way and sort of package a show in sort of the most elevated and um, I don't know, impressive way, but then at the same time, fill the show, which we did with um, meaning and inspiration. And we had about 600 people and people were walking out of the theater speechless, um, trying to find words to describe how inspired they were. Um, and then after that, we thank God had this really um, exciting party um, with uh, music by um, Jeff Nekanoff, Azamra DJ, and um, food by Noble Wine and Grill in partnership with Jen Dean Catering. Great wine by uh, Herzog Wine and Miskea Liqueur. Um, and really, it was, um, it was out of just a dream. And it took several days to come off of that high and now getting back to regular life now. And um, one of the, the pieces of the party that made our party so special, um, we had a couple great photographers at David Miller Studios and a man named Mayor Cruder, um, who was not just there as a photographer, and he has uh, beautiful photos that we're going to be uh, po posting on our site and putting in our newsletter very soon, um, the, the whole lot of them. But um, Mayer also is um, a different type of artist. Um, he is a painter as well, and he was displaying some of his art at our event, and it definitely caught the eye of uh, some of the people there um, because it's so unique and interesting. And after this ended, I told Mayer I would love to sit down and talk to you about the art that you make. You know, I think... Um, not enough people go into the arts in our community. Um, I think there's just certain pressures, uh, financial pressures that people do, some more like sort of typical standard jobs, but um, there's something really special about creating art. Um, and I, it's exciting for us always to speak to talented artists in the Orthodox world. So Mayor, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for taking the time to have me on your show. So if you could tell us a little bit about, yeah, um, What's your back? Did you grow up observant? Were you were you always uh, religious or? I, yeah, yeah. I grew up. Um, I'm. Uh, I was an Orthodox Jew from birth. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Spent the uh, first uh, ten or twelve years of my life there. Uh, pretty pretty typical upbringing. Nothing too crazy. I was an only child by a single single parent. So mm -hmm. a pretty small household. There's just the two of us. But. Um, but uh, I guess I exhibited some artistic abilities when I was younger, and my mom kind of always encouraged me to pursue it. 
and um, she really she she kind of ushered me ushered me towards an art art path. You know, she she wasn't like, oh, you have to be a doctor or whatever. And uh, I guess um, that stuck with me my whole life. What when what age and in what way did did you realize that you had some artistic abilities? Well, my mom likes to tell a story about how I was drawing on a napkin when I was like, I don't know, four or five years old. And it was really cool. And she saw that napkin and she thought that I was going to be like the next Van Gogh Picasso. So I don't know if that napkin is really telling of anything because I've seen a lot of napkins from a lot of other kids. And right. you know, I don't know if, they ever, if it ever turns into anything. But um, I believe I was probably like 10 years old. And my mother, my mother had been um, pushing, this, there's a woman in town, Zelda Weiss. She lived in Brooklyn at the time. I think she made Aliasin. And she gave art classes to, to girls in town on Sundays. And um, my mom had been encouraging her for years to you know, give some art classes to boys. Mm-hmm. And ironically, this, this woman didn't want to give any classes to the boys because she felt that they wouldn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. That the, uh, the girls, you know, were coming because they were more artistic and the boys were just going to kind of be wild. But I think she discovered shortly after she relented and she had boys classes that the boys who were coming were really serious about art. You know, I guess back then, at least even now, but back then the boys had so many more options, you know, in sports or whatever it was that they could take. And uh, if any boys were going to take the time to go do art, it was going to be serious whereas maybe the girls were just coming to fill time it's not to say that there weren't many talented girls and many serious girls but I think she found that the boys that were coming were all interested in actually like doing something and I guess it was around when I was 10 years or so 10 years 10 years old or so um that she I guess it was apparent that I was maybe ahead of the other kids in my class and that uh, I had some real ability um and that was, and that was where it started drawing? yeah were you drawing were you painting what what type of art was it yeah, it was just like your standard acrylic paintings. Like even now, you know, the kids go to classes and they draw a, they draw a picture of a beach or 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 a bird or something like that. Um, it wasn't anything earth shattering. I still have all those paintings. Um, I don't know what to do with them, but they're kind of cool. They're kind of bad, but they're kind of cool. Um, yeah. And so, and so, know, how did, so tell us now. Take us now to Mayor Cruder uh, becoming of age and becoming an adult. Like, did you at a certain point? I guess when did you decide? Like what your career would be? Did you always practice art as a career? Did you have sort of the, the safety career first? Oh my, uh, great questions, Allison. That's you why know, I do this, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Okay, yeah, continue. <laughs> I know, I love it, I love it. I, I love, I, I've listened to a bunch of your other podcasts and uh, I think this is so cool. Like you're getting to find out about people behind the scenes. And that's actually kind of, I, I think we'll get to that later, but that's kind of like what drives me also is like getting, you know, seeing more than meets the eye. I think that's so, that's so fantastic, you know? So I guess my, my, uh, my art career has been kind of cyclical. You know, I started out with, with that painting when I was a kid. And then I really, I really discovered, you want the long story, right? Like you want the long version of this? A little bit? This, um, is you know? your, this is your time, Mayor. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I guess when I was in high school, I, uh, I got my first camera, I think from Focus Camera in Brooklyn. And uh, I just started taking a million pictures. I really found, uh, you know, I fell in love with photography. Photography is absolutely amazing. And uh, I went to Israel for my gap year. So I, I kind of went standard, you know, uh, I went to uh, Yeshiva in, in Brooklyn. Then I went to um, Yeshiva High School. And then I went to a gap year. I went to Yeshiva in Israel. And uh, while I was there, I just took a lot of pictures, a lot, a lot of pictures. And they were beautiful. And I was hanging them up in my dorm room. And a lot of people saw them. And when I came home, my mother, again, encouraged me to, to share them with people. And she helped me produce this uh, exhibit. So I had an exhibit at the at the time I was living in Passaic when it was just kind of uh, finding its way. And mm-hmm. uh, we had, I had uh, a photography exhibit at the Clifton YMYWHA, which is like the local JCC. 
And um, I guess I get overwhelming response and people were buying my pictures. And at the time I must've been, I don't know, I guess 18, 19 years old. And that was the first time I had an mm. art exhibit. Uh, it was my photography. So Why'd you take uh, pictures? I had gone from, I took pictures, I guess, scenic pictures of Israel, just, uh, you know, pictures of the Kotel, pictures of, uh, I was in Harnofi Nishiva, pictures of the old city, pictures of just, you know, street stuff. Um, just a lot of pictures, just pictures of everything. It wasn't really pictures like my friends and stuff. It was more touristy type stuff. Yeah. And, um, what do you think made your, what, what makes a picture stand out? What makes a picture stop the viewer to say, this moves me or I want this in my home to look at over and over again? What do you think that uh, you're able to capture? Oh, more good questions. I love that. You know, it's funny. Now, as an event photographer, I would say that the stuff that stops people is, is that, that I capture the right moment and that I'm telling a story. And that's, that's not at all what my photography was about back then. Back then it was about like standalone pictures that were just, I guess, you know, beautiful in their own right. Each one just kind of like just very pretty. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that now photography has become so ubiquitous that a lot of the, the pictures that I've taken back then, they're not good enough that they would even stand out. Like they're just, they're nice pictures of, of the Western wall or of part of Israel, but they weren't so amazing that like, you know, now they were just kind of like, you know, fall within a pile of, of billions of other pictures that were taken. But because I guess back then, back then film, think, film cost money and not everyone had access to be able to do that. And now any idiot is a photographer. So you have to totally, really stand out to totally. differentiate yourself. By the way, I will say in defense of the idiots that are photographers, you know, the fact a lot of because a lot of professional photographers are kind of upset that now everybody has a camera and everybody's a photographer. But right. there are so many people that that we've discovered over the years that have talent that would have never gotten a chance if they didn't, if they couldn't just use their iPhone or right. if, if taking pictures wasn't so cheap, you know? Right. And I think that's really a beautiful, amazing thing is that, right. uh, that the cream could really rise to, to the top because there's so much cream, I guess. I don't know. Right. It's amazing. Right. Um, but uh, if, so if, sell, so you were selling uh, pictures if, at 19, so you, you were doing something. And I feel like even part of, you know, even being someone to do that, putting yourself out there in a way is even part of the process because, you know, you're looking back now and judging your old work and saying it wasn't good enough, you know, in today's market, but there were only a limited number of people that were taking those pictures and putting them out to sell them somewhere. And I think the very act of putting yourself forward as an artist is the beginning of becoming an artist. Yeah, I would say so. I would absolutely say so. Yeah. Just putting your stuff out there and, um, and announcing to the world that uh, this is what I do is really a big step. There's creating it, and then there's getting it out there, two yeah. major steps. Um, but I never really envisioned being uh, an artistic photographer. You know, that body of work that I, that I put on display, it's never something I had aspirations that would like, take off, and I never thought that I would, that I would do stuff like that. I actually, the, the, the photography that kind of uh, appealed to me was either travel photography, like National Geographic. I guess that was the, that was the, the thing that related most to me at the time at 19. Mm-hmm. And you know, going to see other places, not just Israel or even America, but just like going all over the world. And that was that was prohibitive as an Orthodox Jew. Yeah, mm-hmm. traveling on Shabbos is an issue. Uh, keeping kosher all over the world is an issue. Um, even back then, you couldn't. Nowadays, you can go across country and you just eat Pringles at any rest stop if you wanted to. But right. back then, you couldn't even go across America and keep kosher easily. It, you know, it's, it's amazing how much the world has changed. Um, so being a National Geographic type photographer was kind of like out of the question as an Orthodox Jew. So that was unfortunate. And I, I thought that like fashion photography was like a cool thing to do, but that was also taboo because of Sneas. Right. So um, these were things that kind of being, 
I know this is kind of a premise of your show a little bit, but uh, my, my talents kind of like hit, hit a wall because of my religious beliefs. And uh, it really kind of uh, drove who I became as a person because of that. Um, there were really two other alternative types of photography. You could be uh, like a product photographer, you could take pictures of uh, people's, you know, whatever it was back then, watches or shoes or black hats or whatever. And that kind of seemed boring to me. Yeah. And, uh, and then there was event photography. And um, it was the opposite extreme. It was just like all, it was excitement all the time. And that wasn't really appealing either. So I decided that I did not want to be an event photographer, ironically, even though now I am an event photographer. Um, and I went to school to pursue graphic design, which was, uh, which was an up and coming career path at the time. Uh, that was before it really taken off. It was like IMAX, when I was in college, the IMAX came out. Like that was like, like a brand new thing. Wow. It was like, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And um, so I went to college as a graphic designer, but I continued to take like photography courses throughout my uh, throughout my uh, curriculum as like I guess um, electives and whatnot, and uh, that kind of stuck with me. Um, yeah, shall I continue? Do you have any questions? Yeah, continue. So yeah, so then you did you you practice graphic design or? Yeah, so I I, I went graphic design. I started in community college. I went to Bergen Community College, uh, which is in Paramus, New Jersey, and it was amazing. And um, I, I excelled there. Like, I was really good over there. It's actually funny. Uh, when I, I guess I, I, if you were to, were to equate it to, like, um, like a Harry Potter novel, um, when I was in community college, like, I felt like, like I was among muggles and, like, okay, this is easy. And then after getting my associate's degree after two years, I switched to the School of Visual Arts in New York City, which is one of the top graphic design schools in the country, if not the world. And I immediately felt like I was in Hogwarts. And I was just, like, another wizard with lots of wizards. And I was like, it was like a, I was really like shocked that like there were so many talented people in the world. But of course, I was the only guy with a Yamagon in the whole school. Like wow. the only guy. So yeah, talk about there that. Some... Any, um, any like incidents where um, you maybe changed people's perceptions about Orthodox Jews? You're, there are probably a lot of Jews there in art. Uh, did I change people's perceptions? I probably did. I think I, think I was their only exposure. I actually felt kind of... Um, pathetic at times because they would ask me like questions and I didn't know the answer to the questions. And I felt like I should really like, I, I wish I had a better knowledge. I wasn't, I wasn't the most academic. Uh, I, I, I wasn't studious growing up. I really didn't learn a lot in school. I was just an artist kind of like cruising through school getting bad grades, doodling in my Gemara. And I didn't, I didn't get like so much foundation. Like my belief is strong. And especially when I went to Israel, my belief became stronger. I didn't have like a fundamental knowledge of Orthodox Judaism. I and still don't. In the city, except it was the Paso, didn't it wasn't invented yet. Exactly, exactly. So I, there was nothing for me to even refer all the people to. Like people would ask me a question, I couldn't be like, oh, you know, have you heard of Jew in the city? There was nothing for me to do. I would try and answer people's questions, or I would, I would go home and I would ask my rabbi, and I would go back to them the next day with like with a, a quasi decent answer. And mm-hmm. um, but I think they thought it was cool that like there was like this Jewish kid in their school. And um, that was really great. And actually, it, it, um, the school was incredibly, like, um, they were on my side about a lot of things. Like, when I first started in school, you have to take some of these core classes, like, uh, like nude figure drawing. And I went to them. I said, listen, I can't. I just can't do this. This is, like, uh, it's not allowed. And they said, okay, no problem. And they, like, they got me out of these classes. I, I actually skipped, like, two or three semesters of fundamental classes just because uh, my religious beliefs, they let me go, which is amazing and progressive. You hear a lot of times about schools saying, sorry, you know, this is like, this is what it is. And even like, you know, even, uh, even liberal schools, even like you know, art schools saying like, sorry, you know, we're cool, but not that cool. But this school was so open and appreciative of having me there that they allowed me to, 
to, to skip stuff and to, to make my way, you know, even like having Friday classes, if it was like late in the day, like they were totally cool about like about religion. And uh, I really, I have a debt of gratitude to them. They're amazing school, school of visual arts. My friend was at FIT and what they let her do, FIT and Stern, they let her actually mm -hmm. turn backwards and um, draw the other students drawing the nude. Um, and wow, that's cool. And I took um, a drawing class in college too, and they actually put shorts on the male model. So I, I sneezed size. <laughs> um, okay, fine. So so that was your experience um, at this school. And then, so did you start practicing graphic design after that or photography or painting or all of the above? I, well, I started, I tried pursuing graphic design. And as you mentioned, you know, FIT had this joint program with it's like maybe Toro or Stern or maybe both. And there was nothing for men at all. Like I actually wanted to just go to YU so I could learn half day and go to art school, but there was nothing. There was nothing for boys. It was the same Did thing I I'd run into when I was ten years old. Between the art class in the beginning and between the no class for boys here in college, like normally we're so aware of like make room for girls and like girls do this too. But this seems like a theme I'm hearing is make room for boys in art. Like meaning it seems like there is a need there. And it's not, are things better today than, you know, a million years ago when you were younger or it's not any better or? Um, I think there might be better, but I, I don't know if it's come around that much. And, and honestly, I don't know if like socially that's, that's really like a push that we're giving, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if it's so popular for boys to be artists necessarily. Um, and that's not because they, they're not talented, but they're just not, maybe it's not just a thing. Like there's so much other stuff for them to pursue. I really don't know. It's very interesting, but this is like more of a, uh, orthodox jewish problem it's not that there weren't lots of boys in my art school they were just not orthodox boys you know it's not like there aren't lots of male artists there just there just aren't many orthodox male artists you know interesting. so um yeah it is interesting so i uh i actually got married right after graduating so that was you know, 2003 i suppose and i i attempted a couple of graphic design jobs but um they actually weren't like the graphic design they were anticipating was just kind of more simple graphic design, like flyers and whatnot. I guess I, was, I wasn't pursuing, I really should have pursued graphic design in the secular world more. And I was trying to get a job in like a, in a Jewish type of world. And um, they just weren't prepared for like some of the cool graphic-y stuff that I wanted to compose uh, as solutions to their problems. And um, I actually, at the time, um, I decided to make a painting that I had in my brain for many years. And that was actually um, the painting that I displayed at the All-Star event last week. Um, it, was, it was something that had been in my brain for years. So let's say, I don't know, I guess I, guess I got the seed for this painting it was probably in like 2000. And I got around to, to painting it in 2004. And then, and then I've been, I guess, selling copies of it for the last 16 years. And, um, and amazingly, like the original is still hanging in my house. Like it's just, this painting has been around for 20 years. Um, and it's just so crazy about, how uh, tell us about your paintings. Tell us about the painting. Well, huh, um, the painting is a uh, it's a portrait of a rabbi. Uh, th that specific painting is a portrait of the Chavetz Chaim, um, and my portraits are made up of like a mosaic. So if you would imagine a grid on a canvas, um, so lots of boxes, hundreds of boxes, and each box is filled with a different squiggle, and in this case, a different letter and a squiggle. And if you stand far away from the painting, you can actually see a picture of, of somebody. So you can see the portrait of the Chavetz Chaim. If you look up closely, you see lots of letters. Mm -hmm. And those letters are actually not just random letters, but they can be read as uh, the te a text that he wrote. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, each of my each of my portraits in this series, I call the series Portraits of Torah, um, as opposed to Portraits of People. They're really uh, the paintings are not only about what these people look like, but what they embodied and the reason that these people are famous. So the Chavetz Chaim is not he wasn't just like a cool guy, you know. He was somebody. I'm sure he was a wonderful person, but he was famous for his writings and his teachings. And I wanted to show that um, in my in my work. So in much the same way that you're you're discussing me right now you want to know more about me as a, as a as a person you want to know more about my artistic process when i when when i show a picture of somebody i want them to not just say it's a nice picture of that person i want them to learn more about that person i want them to see a deeper level of uh, of who that portrait you know was of so um so how did you so I'm, tell I'm, the story. Sitting here, I'm sitting here reading your chavetz chaim picture on your website right now on cruder.com mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just a bal tshuva that always feels good to be able to just pick up some Hebrew and start to read it. Um, so Baruch Hashem, Ela, something Yisrael. Eloke Yisrael. Eloke Yisrael, there we go. Ah, see, there's no punctuation here. It's a little bit rough. Eloke Yisrael. There's no punctuation. It is rough. It is rough. So um, how do you decide what portion of their, of all their writings, of the Chavetz Chaim's writings, of the Stipler, of, um, you know, of Rev Moshe Fine, how, how do you decide yeah. what you're going to feature? Yeah, it's a great question. So sometimes I take, you know, just start at the beginning. So in the instance of the Chavetz Chaim, I just start at the beginning. It's the introduction to the Sefer Chavetz Chaim. I chose, I chose the writing of the Chavetz, of the, the, the specific Sefer called Chavetz Chaim because that's where he got his namesake. His name is actually Rabbi Yisrael Mayor Kagan. Mm-hmm. So people know him as the Chavetz Chaim because he wrote the Sefer Chavetz Chaim. And I figured the, the beginning is a great place to start. Um, and the same with like the stipler, but some of the other paintings actually they didn't have writings. Um, I I think there's a Boston Rebbe, Rebbe it's like Horowitz, and he doesn't have any like famous Hebrew writing. So we actually chose something from the Berdichever, which was his great great grandfather, mm. and it's something that applies to him. Mm. Um, so sometimes it's not it's not directly from them, but it's about them. And and I guess as a sub answer to your question, I kind of I get to learn about who these people are by learning their works, mm. and then. Through the process of me choosing what text to use for their portrait, I get to know more about them. And then as I'm painting them, I kind of feel like this Kesha. I kind of feel like this uh, kinship to them. And that's really wonderful for me. Um, that really drives me right now. Um, you know, a lot of people say, I guess maybe a question that you you might want to ask me is, you know, how am I inspired? Why, why am I painting rabbis? How am I inspired to, to do this versus that? And I guess the question is that I, I'm, I'm trying to build this relationship with these with these rabbis that have kind of led us because I, I could easily just paint Justin Bieber with using lyrics from his song and right. uh, probably sell no million paintings. I could paint Tupac and Elvis and Einstein like everyone else does. Right. Um, but right now I'm, I'm painting stuff that really relates to me and and, and I, I don't know. I, I kind of want everybody to relate to it. I kind of want to do it differently. You know, everybody's seen a picture of the Chavitzlein. Everybody's seen a picture of the Lubavitcher Rebbe for sure. But I wanted to make one. I, I thought it was like a challenge. Let's make one that's different. Let's make one that stands out from the crowd of thousands of paintings and portraits of the same exact person. Let's make one that stands out and and teaches us something new. You know, it's not just prettier. Um, there's a lot of other very pretty paintings that might even be prettier than mine, for sure. But I want to do something that's different, that teaches us something. You know, it should be more than just a, a nice picture on your wall that matches your couch, I feel. I love it. Um, we have about three minutes left. So can, is... Is creating art a religious experience for you? Does it is it just sort of something that you do, or do you find it to be 
a way to connect to God or, you know, a way to, I don't know, sort of uh, yeah. serve, serve somehow as a Jew. Yeah. Oh, serve. Yes. That's it. Yeah. I wouldn't say that it's a religious experience for me. Um, it, it's very therapeutic. Painting is incredibly therapeutic. But um, I think if it's a religious experience at all, it's just the, it's, as I mentioned, like the, the process before I even start, like trying to figure out who to paint and what the text should be. Mm-hmm. But the process of it itself is not really that religious, but it, it's definitely like how I, how I serve God. I kind of, you know, ideally, we're not just all sitting and doing the same thing. We're finding our own talents and, and using that specific talent that makes us unique. We're, we're, we're channeling that towards our service of Hashem. And that, that to me is amazing that I get to do that. Even with my photography, you know, I get to go to a, a wedding or, or tell over the story of somebody's amazing fundraiser. And maybe it inspires other people to, to, to donate something, even after the party's done, you know, and somebody says, oh, that's a cool picture. That looked like a great event. Awesome, look great on stage. You know, maybe we should give some money. So I love, I love it. That. Let's do that one. Um, you know, and as you're saying, <laughs> the, the different colors uh, or your your different way of serving Hashem, I'm I'm looking at your picture of, of the Lubavitcher Rebbe right now with the Tanya on him, and I'm thinking that your pictures are made up of these mosaics and these different tiles and colors, and that's exactly how you're describing sort of the tapestry of the Jewish people that we can each serve in our own way, um, and sort of yeah. how are you. Our unique color, a unique flavor um, to create this bigger picture, um, which is really uh, beautiful. So um, thank you for being um, a boy that did art um, and not mm-hmm. just uh, not just doing every other job because um, meaning the doctors and the lawyers and the you know finance guys are great too. But um, I think it's one of the things that we want to do here on this show is first of all show that I mean a, a commitment to our heritage and it's for sure a sacrifice to not be able to do those things that you wanted to do growing up. I think the world has opened up more, as you mentioned, and I think we're now living in a time where people can be that National Geographic photographer, you know, or have more options. But um, to make that sacrifice, um, to to stay true to your heritage when it wasn't possible, but to still keep pushing and finding a way to create your art and so that people listening now can see that there are different ways that they can express themselves as human being and Jews and that, you know, all of the different um, colors and contributions are valuable. For sure. For sure. And if I may, I just want to give a shout out to my wife who enables me to do this. Um, she, she manages my business as a photographer and as a, as a painter, and she might currently have a more typical job um, in, in order to facilitate my having this more unique job. So uh, I think, I think her. Um, with the deepest depths of my heart. <laughs> That's really special. Um, beautiful. All right. And where can people find some of your, uh, either your event photography or your paintings? Um, you can go to kruter.com, K-R-U-T-E-R.com. And that, uh, currently it's a porthole to go to both my photography and my painting. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at mkruter, M-K-R-U-T-E-R, for my artwork. And at Kruder Photography, K-R-U-T-E-R, F, whatever it is, F, why was it F? Oh, silly. See, now, I told you I wasn't very academic. Expert <laughs> photography on Instagram is my uh, my event photography and portraits and whatnot. And um, that's that. No, Facebook, Cruder, Cruder Photography. Yeah, just Google Cruder. You'll find stuff. With a K, Cruder with a K. Okay, excellent. Thank you so yeah. much. And continue to Hatzlacha and all your work. Oh, man, thanks for your time. Have a great day. Thanks so much. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.